0: Section Fifteen of China, Japan, and the Islands of the Pacific. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Locke of Floyd, Virginia. The World's Story, Volume One: China, Japan, and the Islands of the Pacific. Edited by Eva March Tappan, Section Fifteen, The Strenuous Reign of Huang Ti by Reverend Charles gutzloff In spite of all the good advice of Confucius, Laozi, and Mencius, the affairs of the kingdom did not go on very smoothly by and by people began to whisper that a change was surely coming centuries before this the ruler yu had set up some brazen vessels with the name of some one of the states on each it was reported that they had been seen to shake violently worse than this a mountain fell into the huang ho river turned the stream from its course and caused terrible floods the central government grew weaker the separate states stronger and finally the prince of the state of tsin became emperor in 246 b c Huang Ti ascended the throne he was only thirteen years old but in one way or another he usually succeeded in having his own will the editor before wang ti had succeeded to the throne he had contracted an intimacy with the hereditary prince of yen called tan when he was seated upon the throne tan paid him a visit but was coldly received which made him return to his own country with disappointment on his return fan yu an imperial general having fallen into disgrace had fled to yen the emperor set a price upon his head but tan refused to violate the laws of hospitality though tan appeared very sincere in his regard toward fan yu ki he kept him at his court only with the view of revenging the insult he had received a crafty man called King Ko was sent to Fan Ki in order to acquaint him with the dreadful fate his family had suffered by the sin tyrant on his own account you he added will very soon fall a victim to the tyrant i advise you therefore to commit suicide i shall carry your head to the tyrant and whilst he is viewing it i shall bury this poignard in his breast thus you will revenge your family and the empire will be freed from slavery van yu listened with attention he was enchanted with the prospect and cut his throat king ko hastened with his head to huang ti prostrated himself and presented it in a box to the emperor whilst he was examining it king ko drew his poniard but the emperor perceived it in good time he started parried the blow of the assassin received the wound in his leg and thus saved his life king ko was in despair at having missed so good an opportunity of dispatching the monster and again darted his dagger at him which merely grazed the imperial robes after having, upon examination found out that the Prince of Yan had hired the assassin, he attacked Yan, drove the king out of his capital to Li tung and not yet satisfied with having inflicted so heavy a punishment, he satiated his revenge to surfeit by exterminating the whole family constantly directing his attention to gain the one great object universal dominion he defeated all the machinations of the minor princesses by a steady course of policy and they were all finally subdued huang ti who had before only borne the name of ching wang as soon as he saw himself the sole master of the whole empire adopted the title of emperor puffed up by his many victories he thought himself by no means inferior to any of the preceding worthies Shin nung yao and shun he therefore adopted the epithet of che beginning first which he placed before the title of emperor the imperial color was changed to black and a regular system of despotism introduced but he did not forget the improvement of his country astronomy during the many troubles of the states had fallen into disuse he re-established it and published a calendar anxious to obliterate all the memory of sanguinary conquest he ordered all the arms to be brought to his capital and obliged his numerous soldiers to settle themselves in this city where he endeavored to surpass all his predecessors in luxury and magnificence the palace was tastefully laid out and enriched with the spoils of many kingdoms but the ease of the court could not soften the prince he visited all the provinces of the empire made his own observations and even penetrated to the great ocean with scarcely any train he traversed valleys and plains always intent upon his duty his vigorous mind was restless he could not brook the reproaches of the literati nor conform to their advice of introducing the old order of things he wished to be a founder not a restorer of an empire even in the prevalent superstition he dared to introduce innovations and to offer sacrifices according to his own fancy being almost drowned whilst crossing a river he inquired about the cause the spirit of a mountain which was pointed out to him received all the credit he therefore had the mountain laid bare of all its trees and herbs in order to revenge himself for the insult at another time he dispatched some young men and women in search of the islands of immortality which he was told were situated toward the east the adventurers were driven back from thence by a very heavy gale and returned without bringing with them the liquor of immortality but one of their number who had been driven in a different direction reported to the emperor that he had landed at the isles of immortality where he had found a manuscript which stated that the tsin empire was to end by hu huang ti lent a willing ear to this impostor and immediately resolved to attack the huang nu or huns for these he understood were the hu which would put an end to the reign of his family the huns this scourge of the civilized world dated their empire from one of the princes of the hei dynasty their country was of great extent situated on the west of shenshi of which they possessed the western parts and their posterity still inhabit a part of that territory the present they belonged to that extrinsic tribe which the ancients comprised under the name of scythians the country they inhabited was so barren as to render agriculture little available to the maintenance of life their indolent pastoral habits had for them greater attractions than the constant toil of the chinese peasant hunting was their chief amusement and next to their herds their principal means of subsistence without the arts of civilized life they were cruel and bloodthirsty desirous of conquest and insatiable in rapine their victorious arms were only bounded by the eastern ocean the thinly inhabited territories along the banks of the amur acknowledged their sway they conquered countries near the Urdish and emmaus nothing could stop them but the ice-fields of the seas their principal strength was in their innumerable cavalry which appears to have been very skilful in the use of the bow their march was checked by neither mountains nor torrents they swam over the deepest rivers and surprised with rapid impetuosity the camps of their enemies against such hordes no military tactics no fortifications proved of any avail they carried all before them with irresistible power and never waited until a numerous army could be assembled to overwhelm them hardy to an extreme they could support fatigue and hunger and never lost view of the object of all their excursions plunder huang ti surprised and sought to extirpate these fierce barbarians and finding them unprepared the conquest was very easy his generals having subdued the people in the south nothing more remained to be done than to subdue these tartars or at least to put a stop to their inroads some of the northern states had eventually built a wall to keep those unbidden guests out of their territories huang ti resolved to erect a monument of his enterprising spirit which would be a lasting memorial of his greatness this was the building of the great wall which commences in the western part of shenshi and terminates in the mountains of liutung in the sea a distance of more than fifteen hundred miles it runs over hills and rivers through valleys and plains and is perhaps the most stupendous work ever produced by human labor he lined it with fortresses erected towers and battlements and built it so broad that six horsemen might ride abreast upon it to lay the foundation in the sea several vessels loaded with ballast were sunk and upon this the wall was erected every third man in the kingdom was required to work on it the enormous work was finished within five years but the founder had not the satisfaction of seeing it completed during these immense pursuits the emperor was often interrupted in his work by the representations of the literati who desired to restore ancient customs and revert to the glorious times of yao and shun the emperor fond of innovations anxious to perpetuate his name by extraordinary works was highly dissatisfied with their observations let's see his prime minister advised him therefore to put a stop to all similar remarks by burning the ancient books probably the emperor had made up his mind long before the matter came up in his council but the following is what let see is reported to have said your majesty has laid the foundations of imperial sway so that it will last for ten thousand generations this is indeed beyond what a stupid scholar can understand and moreover you only talks of things belonging to the three dynasties which are not fit to be models to you at other times when the princes were all striving together they endeavoured to gather the wandering scholars about them but now the empire is in a stable condition laws and ordinances issue from one supreme authority let those of the people who abide in their homes give their strength to the toils of husbandry and those who become scholars should study the various laws and prohibitions instead of doing this however the scholars do not learn what belongs to the present day but study antiquity they go on to condemn the present time leading the masses of the people astray and to disorder at the risk of my life i the prime minister, say formerly when the empire was disunited and disturbed there was no one who could give unity to it the princes therefore stood up together constant references were made to antiquity to the injury of the present state baseless statements were dressed up to confound what was real and men made a boast of their own peculiar learning to condemn what the rulers appointed and now when your majesty has consolidated the empire and distinguishing black from white has made it a stable unity they still honor their peculiar learning and combine together they teach men what is contrary to your laws when they hear that an ordinance has been issued every one sets to discussing it with his learning in the court they are dissatisfied in heart out of it they keep talking in the streets while they make a pretence of vaunting their master they consider it fine to have extraordinary views of their own and so they lead on the people to be guilty of murmuring and evil-speaking if these things are not prohibited your majesty's authority will decline and parties will be formed the best way is to prohibit them i pray that all the records in charge of the historiographers be burned excepting those of Tsin. that with the exception of those officers belonging to the board of great scholars all throughout the empire who presumed to keep copies of the shi king or shu king or of the books of the hundred schools be required to go with them to the officers in charge of the several districts and burn them that all who may dare to speak together about the she and the shoe be put to death and their bodies exposed in the market-place that those who make mention of the past so as to blame the present be put to death along with their relatives that officers who shall know of the violation of those rules and not inform against the offenders be held equally guilty with them and that whoever shall not have burned their books within thirty days after the issuing of the ordinance be branded and sent to labor on the wall for four years the only books which shall be spared are those of medicine divination and husbandry whoever wants to learn the laws may go to the magistrates and learn of them the imperial decision was approved end of section 15 this recording is in the public domain